I have a, a pretty simple message for you today. Coming out of Luke chapter 2, uh, we're going to read verses 41 through 50. Luke chapter 2, verses 41 through 50. This is what it says. His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of Passover. That is Jesus' parents. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. When they had finished the days, as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother did not know it. But supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now so it was that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the, the statement which he spoke to them. One of the major themes of the Christian faith, you hear it preached all the time. We say it all the time. And it's true. Yeah. One of the major themes of the gospel is that God is with you, that he will never leave you, yeah. and that he will never forsake you. That is one of the major themes of the gospel, but it is not the only theme of the gospel. And in fact, it is not the only truth. Because there is a second truth, which is just as true. Seems as though it's a contradiction, but it's not. Yeah. And that second truth is that just because God is always with you doesn't mean that you're always with him. Because if we overfocus and overspecialize on the truth that God never leaves you nor forsakes you, you might conclude from that that you never need to seek him. Wow. And one of the fundamental truths of scripture is that God is only found by those who seek him. Wow. And seeking God, seeking Jesus, requires Two levels of revelation. And we find these two levels of revelation in the book of John, in which the word seek is used 23 times. The word seek is at the core of the theology of the book of John. And the book of John begins with a question and ends with a question. In John chapter 1, verse 38, Jesus is walking and two disciples are following him. They're disciples of John the Baptist. But as Jesus walked by, John the Baptist saw Jesus and said, that's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He's the guy. Yeah. 
Everything that I've been doing has been pointing to him. And he tells his disciples, you guys need to follow him. And so John's two disciples begin to follow Jesus. And in John 1.38, Jesus notices these two dudes following him. And he turns and looks at them and says, what do you seek? Yeah. What are you seeking? And they said, Lord, we just want to see where you're staying. And he said, oh, okay, come and see. And he shows them his pad where he lives. But when you get to John 20, there's a different question because in John 20, Mary comes to the tomb, Mary Magdalene, she comes to the tomb and she looks inside the tomb and the tomb is empty and she thinks the body of Jesus has been stolen away and she's standing there at the tomb and she's weeping And she sees two angels inside of the tomb that she does not recognize to be angels. And they say, why are you weeping? Whom do you seek? And she says, I'm looking for my Lord, but they've taken him away. And then Jesus walks up behind her and says, woman, why are you weeping? Whom do you seek? Whom are you seeking? And she turns and says, sir, if you've taken him away, please tell me where you've laid him. And he looks at her and says, Mary. And then all of a sudden her eyes are open and she recognizes that the one whom she seeks is Jesus. The question at the beginning of John is what are you seeking? The question at the end of John is whom are you seeking? And all of us begin our Christian life seeking a what? But as we mature in our Christian faith, we begin to seek a who? That is, the first revelation, you always begin with seeking a what, because the first revelation is that Jesus is the source of everything that you need and everything that you desire. All that you need is found in Jesus. All that you want is found in Jesus. He is the source of all that you need and all that you desire. And that's the, the, the revelation that starts you off seeking him. But it shifts because you move from seeing him as the source of what you need and what you desire to the substance of what you need and what you desire. That is, you first come to him because you needed some hope and you heard that you can find hope in Jesus. You first came to him because you needed some peace and you heard that you could find peace in Jesus. People in the ancient world came to Jesus because they heard he could heal their sicknesses and they needed some healing for their sicknesses. They came to Jesus because they heard that he could feed the 5,000 and they were hungry and needed food. They came to Jesus for the meeting of their needs and they felt these needs and they saw him to be the source of the fulfillment of those needs. But those who walked with him went beyond seeing him as the source of what they needed to being the substance of what they needed. I'm no longer seeking a what, now I'm seeking a who. I'm no longer coming to him to get hope from him. I'm coming to him because I recognize that he is my hope. I'm not coming to him to get peace. I'm coming to get him because he is my peace. It takes a revelation to see that Jesus is both the source and the substance of everything that I need and everything that I desire. And the moment I get that revelation... I begin to seek him. And if you haven't begun to seek him, you haven't gotten either of those revelations yet. Because most of us don't actually seek him. We're simply waiting for him to seek us. The promise, Jeremiah 29, 13, seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all of your heart. That's the promise. Seek me and you will find me 
when you search for me with all of your heart. May I say to you today, my brothers and sisters, my friends, if you're going to find Jesus, you're going to have to seek him. A church service can't give it to you. A worship song can't give him to you. A good sermon can't give him to you. If you think that you're just going to go through the motions and watch the service and listen to the service and Jesus is somehow going to fall in your lap, that's not going to happen. If you're going to find him, you're going to have to make a decision to seek him. And one of the biblical stories I love so much is the story of the wise men who got that revelation on the other side of the world and traveled halfway across the world seeking him. Here in Luke chapter 2, it's interesting because this is not a story of wise men from the other side of the world. These are Jesus' own parents, Joseph and Mary. They had a relationship with Jesus. They held him as a baby. They changed his diapers. They fed him. Joseph taught him carpentry. Mary taught him how to clean up after himself. He grew up just like a regular child. But something happens when he's 12 years old. They journey from Nazareth to Jerusalem three times a year for the Feast of Passover, the Feast of of Tabernacles, and the Feast of Pentecost. This is the Feast of Passover. They go to Jerusalem. They bring Jesus to Jerusalem for the Passover feast, not actually understanding that the Passover feast was about him. Another sermon. But the scripture says, and I'm going to read it to you again, that when the feast was over and they turned to go home, they assumed that Jesus was traveling with them. They just assumed that he would never leave them nor forsake them. They just assumed that wherever I go, Jesus will go with me. Verse 43, when they had finished the days as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. Jesus made a conscious choice not to go with them somewhere. Jesus made a conscious choice to stay when they went. We need to understand that sometimes Jesus lingers behind when we move on. And Joseph and his mother did not know it. You could have told me, have you ever had that? thought, Lord, you could have told me. I mean, if you weren't going to go there with me, you could have let me know. If you weren't going to bless that business deal, you could have let a brother know. If you weren't going to protect me in that situation, you could have let me know. Sometimes Jesus lingers behind without saying anything. Because it's in the moment when Jesus lingers behind and allows us to wander off that we have the opportunity to seek him. Verse 44, but supposing him to have been in the company. You see that? Supposing him, they just assumed he's in the company. He's here. They were so overconfident in the presence of Jesus that when they didn't see him and when they didn't feel him, when they didn't experience his presence, they just assumed he's in the company. He's here, we just don't feel him. He's here, we just don't see him. He's here, we just don't... We don't hear his voice, but he's with us. 
You know, you can be so overconfident that Jesus is in the company that you just, I don't see him, I don't feel him, I don't hear him, I haven't heard from him in years, I haven't talked to him, I haven't gotten any instructions from him, he hasn't given me a word, I don't feel his presence, but he's in the company. Overconfident presumption. Assuming, supposing him to be in the company, they went a day's journey. They went an entire day without experiencing the presence of Jesus before they realized something was wrong. At the end of that day, they said, something's wrong. When was the last time you heard from Jesus? It's been like 24 hours. How about you? Yeah, same. Something is wrong. They came to their senses after 24 hours. That's one thing that we could say about them. That it only took a day Some of us can go a week, a month, a year, and we never stop to seek him. We just go on to to go on back to Nazareth. Just he's in the company. He's in the company. I don't need to stop and and seek him. I don't need to stop and look for him and just assume he's in the company. He never leaves me. He never forsakes me. But for them, they woke up after 24 hours and said, "Okay, this ain't right. I'm not supposed to go this long without hearing from Jesus. I'm not supposed to go this long without fellowshipping with Jesus. I'm not supposed to go this long without being in the presence of Jesus. I'm not supposed to go this long. Something is missing in my life because I wasn't with Jesus today. One day. They went a day's journey and sought him. That is, at the end of the day, they said, we don't see him, so we're going to seek him. They made the decision to seek him because they hadn't seen him. But here's the problem. They sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. They just assumed he would be in the familiar place. They sought him in the familiar place. I know what I'll do. I'll go back to the church folks that I grew up with. He'll be there. I know he'll be there. I know what I'll do. I'll go talk to my mom and dad. I know he'll be there. I'll call my brothers and sisters. I'll just, I, I, if I could just go back through the same religious motions that I've been through else, like if I go back and sing the same hymns that I sang back in 1944 when the Holy Spirit fell, I know I'll find Jesus there. I know when I got saved in 1993, we were singing, Lord, I give you my heart. So when I can't find him, I just go back and sing, Lord, I give you my heart. I go back to the familiar place and I seek him among my relatives and acquaintances. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem. They didn't find him in the familiar place, and so they had to separate themselves from the crowd. Now You know that you've really begun to seek the presence of Jesus when the cry for connection with Jesus begins to separate you from the crowd. I love my wife's testimony. Because she talks about basically being out there in the world. Partying, drinking, doing drugs, all of that stuff. And her sister said, started to talk to her about her faith in Christ. And she said, you know what? I just can't stop doing the stuff that I'm doing. And her sister said, I'm not asking you to stop. The only thing I'm asking you to do is just do a daily devotion, 10 minutes a day. And she gave her a simple format. Just write the date, write a prayer, write a scripture, write a prayer using the words of that scripture, 
That's it. And sometimes she would stumble in drunk and she would write in her journal, God, I'm drunk again. Sorry, but I can't change me. You need to change me. But she kept coming back to him. She kept coming back to him. Again, no matter what, she kept coming back to him. She was seeking him. She wasn't trying to change herself. She was seeking him. See, if, if we can get this, yeah. too many of us are, tr- are seeking to change our lives instead of seeking him. Wow. We're seeking freedom from this instead of seeking him. Wow. And what tends to happen is when we fail, we feel so ashamed that we stop seeking him. Yeah, right. She just made the decision, I'm just going to keep coming back to him every day, every night. I'm just going to keep coming back to him every day, every night. I'm going to keep coming back to him. And guess what happened? At a, certain part, at a certain point in the journey, the desire to know him began to supersede her desire to be accepted by her friends. Yeah. And she started separating herself. Yeah. Yeah. She started to pull away. Yeah. She started to say, I'm not going to the party tonight. And maybe a few days later, she would go to the party. But instead of going seven nights a week, she'd go three nights a week. And then two, and then one, and then she got to the point where the the desire for the party completely left her. And she completely separated herself for Jesus. It was a transformation that he did on the inside of her simply in response to the fact that she sought him. At a certain point, Mary and Joseph realized he's not in this company. He's not in this. It doesn't mean this company is bad. He's just not in it. We're just not going to find him here. Doesn't mean my friends are evil. He's just not in it. I'm not going to, I've got to separate. And sometimes I just have to separate myself temporarily to reconnect with him and only go back to the company when he's going back with me. But if he's lingering in Jerusalem, I'm not moving on with the company. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. They went to Jerusalem for one reason, to seek him. Yeah. We're going to search until we find him. Yeah. He's too important to us. Yeah. At no point would Mary and Joseph have thrown up their hands and said, oh, well, we tried. Mm, wow. <laughs> I mean, you know, I tried the Christian thing. Said my prayers, gave my tithes. Nothing seemed to change in my life, so I just moved on. Mary and Joseph made the decision. We're going to seek him till we find him. Verse 46. Now, so it was that after three days, that that seems to be a long time. (laughs) For three days. Now, my daughter's 11. Jesus was 12. If my daughter disappeared and we had to search for her for three days. Oh, Lord. That's a pretty harrowing situation for a parent, don't you think? And they didn't have child protective services. They couldn't call the police. They couldn't file a missing persons report. There was no Amber Alerts. There was nothing they could do but search for him. They had to be the detectives. They had to be the sleuths. They had to be their own police. They had to search. They're thinking he got kidnapped. Seeking Jesus was not only a harrowing situation for Mary and Joseph. Seeking Jesus is a harrowing situation for us too, isn't it? Just try it. I mean, why don't you try it? 
get on your knees and pray for three days. That's pretty, that's not fun. Get on your knees and pray for three minutes. Especially if you've never actually felt the presence of God. It's not fun. Read the Bible. You say, read the Bible, right? You know the Bible can be more confusing than it is helpful sometimes. Especially if you're reading certain parts of the Old Testament. We're reading through the message right now as a family. We got, when we were th- going through Hosea, oh, Lord, my wife. <laughs> you ever read Hosea in the message? Your child. Whores, sex. <laughs> like, what the heck? <laughs> it was like every, every few other, every, like every five words was whores and sex. It was like my 11-year-old daughter's reading this. I'm like, oh, Lord, is this really? Maybe we should skip Hosea when we're doing the Bible reading. Reading the Bible doesn't always clarify stuff. Prayer does not always clarify things. Sometimes prayer can be more confusing than it is clarifying. The only difference is that when you get the revelation that he is the source of all you need, you just keep going. I don't get it, but I'm going to keep seeking. You see, Mary and Joseph were sold out. They couldn't disown him. They couldn't give up on him. Their relationship to him was too close. He had become too precious. And because of that, they had come to the place in their life where they were willing to continue to press toward him through their own confusion, misunderstanding, and fear. There's a certain place in which Jesus becomes precious to us. And that place in which Jesus becomes precious to us does not shield us from disappointment. It doesn't shield us from confusion. It doesn't mean it all makes sense to us. Mm. It doesn't mean that we experience nothing but joy in our lives. It does not shield us from pain. It simply means that we have the capacity to continue to press toward Jesus despite the pain and the confusion and the lack of clarity. Now, so it was that after three days, they found him. And where did they find him? They found him in the temple. The place that we've completely misunderstood. Because we see the temple as the place that houses the religion of men. That's not where they found him. The temple was the place that houses the presence of God. Wow, yes. They found him not in the religion of men, but in the presence of God. They found him in the dwelling of God. They found him in the place where God dwells. And one of the reasons, and all of a sudden it became evident that the reason it took them three days to find him It's because they were looking in all the wrong places. Sometimes it takes us three days to figure that out. 
that I'm looking for Jesus in every place but where he is. That's what the angels asked Mary when she came to the tomb and she was weeping and they said, why are you looking for the living among the dead? So often we're looking for living things in dead places. They found him in the temple. We would find him so much more quickly if we knew how to come to the temple. I'm not talking about how to come to church. Because sometimes we seek him in the church. We seek him in the religious practices. Like going to the service and putting on our Sunday best and lifting our hands and singing the songs. We think we can find him in the motions. And Jesus is not in the motions. You don't find him in the learning of the songs. You don't find him in the lifting of the hands. But there's a place called the temple where he dwells. And you find him in the dwelling. And what he's looking for is not the external motions, but the internal heart. He said, seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all of your heart. Not with all of your hands. Not with all of your wallet. Not with all of your voice. Not with all of your mind. We tend to seek him with the external parts of us and not the internal. We find him in the temple, and what we discover is that the temple is no longer a house of stone in Jerusalem. The temple is in the heart. You find him in the temple. You find the fact that he is dwelling in the innermost part of you, and that's where you seek him, and you find him when you search for him with all of your heart. Because what we find is that often when we begin to to seek Jesus, we're not seeking him from the heart We're seeking him from the soul. We're seeking him with the mind, will, and the emotions, but not with the spirit. Not with the deepest part of ourselves. In John 6, he fed the 5,000 and then left, and they followed him around the lake, and when they found him on the other side, they said, where did you go? And he said, surely I say to you, you seek me not because you saw signs, but because you ate bread and are full. Translation, you're here for more bread. You're here for more peace. You're here for more hope. You're here for more joy. You're here for more freedom. You simply want the stuff that I provide for you, but you don't want me personally. You haven't yet gotten the second revelation that I am not only the source of your needs, but the substance. They found him in the temple. The skipping down to the bottom part of 48. Oh. Just verse 48. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, son, why have you done this to us? <laughs> yeah. See, their relationship with Jesus was so intimate and so close that they felt entitled to his presence. Why have you done this to us? What would you do that for? Why did you do this to me? All of us have those moments. Yeah. Why, God, why have you done this to me? How could you? Do you know what we went through over the last three days? Really, it had been four days because they had to do one day journey back and then a three day search for him. Why have you done this to us? They felt entitled to his presence. As close as we are, I thought we had a bond. Isn't that what Mary and Martha went through when Lazarus died? Lord, if you were here, our brother would not have died. Translation, why did you do? I thought we were close. I thought you loved us. I thought you cared about us. Why have you done this? 
Look. Actually, behold. Your father and I have sought you anxiously. There's that prophetic behold there where Mary is trying to open the eyes of Jesus. Look. Perceive. God, don't you understand? There's, there's, we always find ourselves at a place in life where we're trying to get God to understand our situation. God, open your eyes. Wake up. Like the disciples going to him under the boat and waking him up. Don't you care that we perish? Behold. I think... We would probably do well allowing God to be the one who speaks the beholds. <laughs> Your father and I have sought you anxiously. Do you know how much anxiety we have expended in the pursuit of you? Yeah. And he said to them, verse 49, why did you seek me? <laughs> Any other 12-year-old boys say that, you just slap them. I know if I would have said that to my mama, my glasses would have been all sideways within about two seconds. <laughs> Mother, why did you see <laughs> glasses? <laughs> I would have had to straighten out my glasses. Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? Yeah. But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. Yeah. Interesting that he says, why did you seek me? I mean, isn't the whole message of the gospel about us seeking him? Why would God say to you, what are you why are you looking for me? Why did you seek me? What Jesus is actually revealing to Mary and Joseph is that they were seeking him for the wrong reason. When he said, why did you seek me? He wasn't saying, you shouldn't have sought me. He wasn't saying, you should have just gone back to Nazareth, gone on with your lives, and let me be. He wasn't saying you were wrong to seek me, but he's asking a question. Why did you seek me? I mean, really, why are you seeking me? And if Mary and Joseph could have answered that question honestly, they would have had to have confessed, we're seeking you so that we can find you and bring you back under control. We're seeking you because we think you're out of line and we, our goal was to find you and bring you back into the caravan, get you back into the company. Yeah. We're trying to find you so that we can convince you that you should have never left us four days ago. You should have stayed with us. You're out of line. Why did you seek me? So often we seek God to bring him under our control, to get him to do our bidding, to get him to do our will. They wanted to bring Jesus into the service of their business. Wow. And yeah. Jesus says, didn't you know that I had to be about my father's business? Yes. Are you seeking me to allow me to bring you into my father's business? Or are you trying to bring me into yours? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Are you seeking me to bring me under your control or allow me to bring you under the Holy Spirit's control? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why do you seek me? Yeah. Why are you seeking Jesus? Mm. What is it that you're looking for? That transition from seeking a what to seeking a who, it doesn't happen overnight. And God is so patient with us. 
we find ourselves seeking a what, and we don't even know it. I can't even make a decision today. You know what? I'm not going to seek a what anymore. I'm only going to seek a who. You know what, church? I'm still longing for so many what's. And when I meditate on and pray Psalm 23, I know it's prophetic and not actual. When I say the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I am acutely aware that I still want at a hundred, a thousand different levels. And I can't simply put to death the wants in my life and and make that shift in myself so that no longer am I seeking a what, I'm only seeking a who. But when I pray that prayer and when I meditate on that verse and I declare the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, I'm prophesying over my soul. Right now you want, but I shall not want. Because I'm going to keep walking with him. I'm going to keep seeking him. I'm going to keep crying after him. I'm going to keep looking for him. And I know that as I search for him with all of my heart, I'm going to find him. And every time I find him, he brings me a little closer beyond the what and into the who. Yeah, yeah. Good. The gospel begins with a what and ends with a who. Yeah. Begins with a revelation that Jesus is the source of all you need. And you know what? That's okay. Because some of you just need him to be the source today. Some of you, you have felt needs, and I'm not telling you to forget about your felt needs. Forget about the need for hope. You know what? Some of you, all you know is that you need hope. Jesus always met people where they were. If they needed healing, he brought them healing. If they needed bread, he brought them bread. If they needed peace, he brought them peace. If they needed deliverance, he brought them deliverance. He always met people where they were, and Jesus is still willing to meet us where we are. The key is simply to keep coming back to him. Day after day, day after day. All of us are like Sunny when she was a teenager. Lord, here I am. I can't change myself. Only you can change me. But the one thing I can do is keep seeking you. The one thing I can do is keep reaching for you. Keep coming back to you day after day, week after week, month after month. Year after year, I'm not going to stop through many days of confusion, through many trials, uh, tears and snares, through many many rivers and valleys and mountains and deserts. I got to keep seeking you. Why? I don't understand, but you've become precious to me. And I've got the revelation that you're the source of all that I need. And I'm reaching for the revelation that you're the substance of all that I need. Bow your heads with me. Let's pray this morning. Lord, I pray today that you would release the revelation that we need. Lord, some of us don't even know that you're the source of what we need. We don't even know to seek you at that level. We're still looking in so many places, not realizing that all of our hope, all of our peace, all of our joy, all of our satisfaction is in you. We haven't yet discovered that in your presence, there's fullness of joy, that at your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore, that you open your hands and you satisfy the desires of every living thing. We haven't figured that out yet. But God, I pray that you would release that revelation in every heart 
in every heart that opens to that. And every heart that's ready to receive that revelation, release it right now. Lord, even as I'm speaking, there's some whose hearts are saying, God, I want that revelation. I wish I could just make that decision on my own, but for some reason that truth seems to elude me. I can even intellectually assent to it and say, yeah, that's true. But my heart doesn't believe it. And so I still seek other things. But I want to believe it. Lord, I pray that you'd release that revelation in every heart. You are the source of all that we need, all that we desire. And I pray even for the greater revelation that you are the substance of all that we need all that we desire. You are. You are. Kindness, compassion, timeless, divine in your actions, the bedrock of trust. Sin stops on your block because you're the head cop. You're just. You're so gracious and merciful. Praise, you deserve it. So worthy of worship. Oh, we call you hope. We call you peace and love. You're all of these. You're all of, the, all of the above. Those words so eloquently spoken by the cross movement are so true today. But Lord, above all, I pray that you'd put it within every heart. Regardless of what level of revelation we have, yeah. that we're just going to begin to seek you. That yeah. no matter what, we're going to come back to you every day. No matter what, I'm coming back to Jesus every day. No matter what, I'm coming back to Jesus every day. I'm going to seek you every day. No matter what, no matter what comes or goes, no matter how I fail, no matter how I, whether I succeed or fail, I'm coming back to you. Whether I understand or I'm confused, I'm coming back to you. Whether I'm sad or whether I'm happy, I'm coming back to you. Just that daily practice of returning to Jesus when I wake up and recognize that you've lingered and you're not in the company, I'm going to seek you. If I have to separate from the company, I'm going to seek you. If I have to backtrack a bit and go back to where I was because I I left without you, I'm going to seek you. Put it within our hearts. Not to let time go by. Not to be satisfied. Not to content ourselves with living outside of your presence but to make a decision. I'm going to seek you. I'm going to seek you. I'm going to search for you with all of my heart. And if you're watching and listening today, you've never actually made that decision. I'm going to invite you to take a step. Just a simple step. And the step is not simply to say a prayer and to open your heart, but it's a decision. I'm going to seek him. I'm going to believe him and I'm going to seek him. Yeah. That's simple. Yeah. And if you're at that place, I just invite you, just in your home, right where you are, to just lift your hands like this. Just a posture of openness to God. Mm-hmm. And just repeat this simple prayer after me. Mm-hmm. Father, open my eyes. Open my ears as I open my heart. 
Reveal to me the truth that Jesus is all I need and he's all I desire. And put it within me to seek him from my heart every day. And Lord, if I started seeking him but stopped, Help me to return. Forgive me of all of my sins. Wash me and make me clean. Teach me how to walk with you. Protect me from the evil one. And fill me with your love. I ask, in the name of your Son, Jesus, amen. Now, Father, I pray for those who have prayed that prayer today, that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you would settle on their hearts, that you'd cause them, even in this moment, to experience your presence and the awakening of their hearts in a way that they never have before as a witness that, Jesus, you have come to take residence in them. I pray it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.